What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Pagan, and the birds are 10 and 1. It's not sexy. There will be no style points, but the playbook seems to be get down by 10 at halftime, win ugly, rinse, repeat. That's how you get to 10 and 1. This season's a roller coaster, but it's one of the most fun roller coasters I've ever been on. We'll have Jay Wright coming on at 1230 to talk everything from the Big Five Classic to Villanova Hoops. Will he ever coach again? Is he tired of the question? We'll figure it out. Uh, but first, let's welcome on Kevin Kikay because we've got some birds to talk about. What's up? Hey, welcome back from a long Thanksgiving weekend. It's great to be back. Eagles are 10 and 1. Uh, Your I, biggest I haters know. are doing a 180. <laughs> uh, Seth Joyner's finally a believer. Uh, I'm, I'm stunned. Yeah, I don't. Uh... It's like when the Grinch's heart grew three sizes, when <clears throat> Seth Joyner's football brain grew three sizes. We all watched it in live time. I thought it was AI generated, honestly. I'll be completely honest. I thought it was like Seth GPT or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God. Is this real? No, no. This has to be a program. Yeah, here's no. the script. Here's the script. Have him say it. Yeah. I, I, uh, no, it's funny. But we welcome Seth aboard, you know, the, the, yeah. to the pragmatic side of the, of the Eagles bandwagon. All are welcome. You know, exactly. you just have to, uh, some people have to atone more than others do for, you know, relative to the amount of of Negadelphia that they, you know, uh, disperse into the ecosystem. You know, um, Craig yeah. doing a good job producing today, earning his two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He pulled up the uh, pulled up the quote from Mister Joiner after the game. I don't care what people have to say about the Eagles. I don't care what people have to say about how the Eagles won the game. They won the football game, okay? And I know for a fact because I played this game for 13 years, you only win because you earn what you get. Nobody in this league gives you anything. I'm sick and tired of everybody always saying that the Eagles won because of this, because of that. No, they won because they were better than the damn Bills. I'm sick and tired of a 10-1 and team, a 9-1 and team, not getting the proper respect they do, all because you want to make it about everybody else, okay? The Eagles are where they are. They're 10-1 and because they're the best damn team in pro football, period. Craig, can can we make you do a little bit more work? And can you get the quote from when they were eight and one three weeks ago? Because that was funnier. It's in Kevin's story, and we'll, great, uh, we'll, that that right there is a great quote in a in a vacuum. A, yeah. Wonderful quote, a quote yeah. that will get you the necessary retweets, the necessary favorites, the necessary engagement that you are looking for. If it came from anyone else except for Seth. Well, right, because yes, and I know we're leading the show with Seth Jordan of all people when we just had one of probably the greatest good. wins in in Eagles history in the last five years. Um, also, they basically killed the Bills season. The Bills are now the tenth seed, but here it is. Here, here is the eight and one. Then we'll get off Seth. Yeah, Seth, Seth three weeks ago for the majority of the game, they were the better football team. And then they looked like the luckiest team at the end. It makes no sense to end the game in that manner. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and beat them up because guess what? They're eight and one and going into a bye and they get everyone healthy. I don't want to hear about it all over social media. Oh, but they won. Yeah, listen, Dallas is not one of those better football teams in this league that you're going to have to worry about if they play this way when they go to Dallas or not going to win in Dallas. The way they've played football all season long, I just don't like it. And it's hard to say you don't like something about a team when they're eight and one. It's absolute insane. I love it. So I love I, look, it. eight and one, not good enough. Ten and one. All right, we're seeing the light. So I'm just happy to. I'm not going to rip Seth anymore. It's a positive uh, Monday. Welcome aboard the the Eagles prag, pragmatism bandwagon. Um, you know, do your do your our fathers and hail marys, and we're all and we're all good. You know, I love well, it. Just another I mean, two turnovers in the first half inside the forty. 
uh, leads to 14 points for the Bills. Second half defense shows up like it's always been showing up. Jalen Hurts shows up like he's always been showing up in the second half. Yeah. Brian Johnson starts calling plays. Like what? Why did they start off so slow? Because last year, if you remember, it was like the second quarter. They were amazing. They were outscoring everybody. The point differential was up and everything. This year, it's it's all second half. I mean, the, the playbook, like I said, is get down by 10 and then just have your defense stand on its head and uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, save your team once again. And Jake Elliott, I guess, too. Did you? Uh, yeah, we should pull the yeah the first half and second half dif- differential because last right you're talking about last year their second quarter differential was like a like a plus one hundred something by the end of the season, which I, I want to say was like fifty or sixty points higher than the number two team in that in that quarter differential in the NFL. But I they they always they've been doing the same thing too. They have like one really really good looking drive in the first half where they're mixing and matching and they're they're running and they're hitting passes and whatnot and then they have these other sequences where it's like what what even is that you know like the the whole the perimeter screen to julio jones last night i think that was was that the drive coming out of coming out of halftime where they got the ball and you're like okay let's figure it out right and they go three plays negative four yards i gotta be honest too i will will admit to everybody there's so much shit that happened in that game last night I'm having trouble remembering it all. I, I did the observations post of takeaways post, and I got up to number 38, bullet point 38. So while the countdown was playing for this show, I was trying to crunch it as fast as I could so I could remember everything that happened. But, yeah, it was funny. He's like, they come out of halftime. Hertz has the pool. He's got A.J. Brown open for a slant. He doesn't throw it for, for some reason. Then they threw like that, that uh, like duck to his left. That AJ Brown couldn't reel in, and then they go for the like the bubble screen to Julio Jones. I'm sitting here thinking, like 14 yeah. yards they needed. It's like 50 year old Julio Jones going to pick up 14 yards on a bubble screen. Love it. I just, and you're just like, what? What is that? You know? And um, it's funny because I've said to you on this show, and you can corroborate this. I've said like four times already this year that even when they play like butt, I just have this feeling that I know they're going to win. Like I just I don't feel any. I feel comfortable that they're going to figure it out. I- Last night I did not feel that way. No, no, no. I was like, I think this is it. I think this is the. I think this is, is where it finally <laughs> is the back. I mean, Allen was playing, I, I, you know, yeah, dude. What do you count for? Like five hundred and five total yards by himself. Yeah. I mean, I know what yeah. you want to say about Josh Allen. Owen six in overtime. He did have that backbreaking interception that everyone knew was going to come out at least one point in the game. But right, I think Jack dude, Fritz called it. Did you see Jack tweet like tweet like this? Uh, <laughs> this drive ends with like a like a. Josh Allen interception or something. <laughs> Dude, it, I think it, it, was, it was crazy. I mean, two back-to-back, watching him and watching uh, Patrick Mahomes escape the pocket every time. Like, that is – and I'm sure people feel it the same way on other teams when Jalen Hurts does it. Like, it was so – it is it is my, it is my nauseating. It makes you want to puke every time I got to watch somebody scamper out because the defensive line just collapses so quickly. Um Shout out to Blue Meanie in the chat there, Brian. Um, here's the stat. To, to your point, Pagan, this is the Ed Werder. This game was crazy because it just there were so many tweets like after the game that just had these improbable kind of like, I can't believe this is a real statistic mm-hmm. statistics. And then one of them was from <laughs> from Ed Werder at ESPN. It says the Bills are. Oh, I will. How about I just read it off? What Craig, Craig is doing a great job. So I got to say, this oh, is probably fine. the best producing. He's re energized. He had a four day week, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. weekend. <laughs> All it takes is a four day weekend, right? Edward or ESPN. The Bills are the 40th team since the 1970 merger to have 500 yards, 10 third down conversions, and a positive turnover margin in the game. They are the first team to lose in that scenario. Teams were 39 and 0 entering today. Scroll down there, Craig, to the copy, if you don't mind. 
Um, yeah, right. So Buffalo is plus one in turnover margin. They converted third down at a 59% rate. They were 13 for 22. They had 29 total first downs, converted their only fourth down try as well. Uh, but in the big moments, right, they had the cook drop touchdown pass on the, I, I can't remember, it was like a wheel route, something that got them out to the perimeter. And then, the, yeah, they would have walked it off if, if Josh Allen and, and Gabe Davis were on the, the same page in overtime. Did you, did your like, Oh Mouth God, dude! My heart, heart was in my foot. <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, oh no!" Even yeah, Dan like, was like, ah! "He went all Tony Romo on." It's like, ooh, 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 yeah. no. Well, they said, "Yeah, I mean," and they said, "And Romo." By the way, we can talk about Romo a little later. I don't know what the hell he was he was talking about all game long. He genuinely seemed disappointed. He was having a hard time masking his disappointment that the Eagles were were coming. And I'm not one of those dudes. You and I aren't really those dudes who do the like the announcer hates us kind of thing. But he sure sounded really excited talking about Josh Allen and the Bills. And then when the Eagles were were coming back, he was like, eh, I don't know. But it, it, I'm okay with that because you wear the star for ten plus years. Like that's fine with me. You're gonna hate the Eagles. Like you're a former player. Like I'm sure Tom Brady, you know, hates Peyton Manning. You know, hates yeah. the Colts. Like, yeah. Hates the New York Giants. Like I'm pretty sure that's you can I mean, you can respect it in a way. I mean, like if he was a rival and he just didn't like that team, and mm-hmm. some of it bleeds into his commentary. Right, maybe there's there's a portion of Philly fans who respect. It's like the thing with John Fetterman, where he's never going to capitulate to Wawa because he's like I'm a Sheets dude, and that played well in Delco because they're like, all right, this guy's authentic. But anyway, um, what was I talking about? I can't remember. Oh yeah, well Tomo Tomo Tony Romo was saying that like yeah, that was a choice route at the end there, where just based on the alignment, it's like okay, this is where I'm going to run. You know, so Allen thought he had him and, and that was it. You know, I mean, through the interception, it, it's crazy to think, but they just, you know, those big moments where Buffalo had 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 chances, man. You know, you talk about the penalty. I saw a lot of people whining about the penalties, like the horse collar, you know, non-call and things like that. Um, I mean, the birds got flagged like four or five times, too. You know, there were a lot of holdings on each side. I remember the uh, there was a. There was a Romo call where he, I think uh, Josh Allen threw a touchdown, and Jalen Carter's getting headlocked coming around the coming around the edge, and uh, and, yeah. and Tony's like, "Wow, you know, look at look at this throw from Josh Allen. You can just see Jalen Carter getting like assaulted." There was one. I thought Slay got away with that one. In- He's got to be leading the league in getting to the ball too early. <laughs> well, it almost was like half, one of the second half that probably could have been called. Like it was Slay, and, and I just saw a stat before the game Slay and Bat- Bradbury, like at the bottom of like coverage near their guy. Some, some fucking analytical statistic that I don't understand that like people come up with, but like it, it's not good. Yeah. I so Slay got away with the, I mean, I think we all agree he was there early if, in overtime. Um, but then Stefan Diggs had a, had a, drop on the other side like two plays later so to me that was a wash you know there there was one i think there was like a grab i want to say there's like a defensive uh not a dpi but like a holding or something on the eagles but it got wiped because uh josh sweat got grabbed you know and and held so there was a couple there, there was one offsetting penalty at least that i could remember but I don't know, man. They just—it's it, funny. They had that. I was just sit, sitting there like, yeah, this is probably the loss. And then they'll they'll you know take their loss now and then get it figured out for San Fran. But then the the play with Eli Ricks not, not having any clue where the ball was, and then Josh Allen throwing it off his ass, and then they come down and they miss the field goal. You know, but Buffalo mistakes again too. They a field goal block, shanked field goal, drop touchdown, and you know chalk up the over, overtime to another dropped not dropped touchdown but those are four key mistakes. Mistakes. six six points in the field goals 
six more points, seven more points with the cook play, and then mm-hmm. possibly the walk off there. They left like double digit points on the on the yeah. bo- on the board, right? So like to Seth's point, and no, they the the Eagles were the better team. The Eagles did not leave thirteen or whatever how many points you want to say that is on the on the field. So I, I buy that. Was was this Jalen Hurts' MVP game? Is this the uh, the one they're showing in the credits of the NFL honors? You know, they shown him running into the end zone. The quarterback trying, to, trying to find the stat here. I think it's on my Twitter, but uh, I mean, they're just showing a bunch of tush pushes. Yeah, but you know what? The tush push thing kind kind of doesn't. I feel like the way in which he is winning is is impactful on the psyche of the voter because they see these stats about come from behind wins. Yeah, he's. Amazing. I was trying to find I, somebody had it on here. I think Kevin Nagandi shared. Um, that the Eagles have now won. Let me see if I can find it here. The Eagles have now won eight straight games when they have trailed by 10 or more points. I, I mean, that's like ridiculous. And Jay, and there was a further, there was something like Jalen's now won, like he's like 28 and two in his last 30 or something like that. Of, yeah. 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 Um, right. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there thinking like that's because you are right. You're, you're thinking of cases like that. You can build up narratives that you can build up for Jalen or against Jalen against you could easily say how many of his rushing touchdowns or shoves right but then you look at, at how many of his wins were come from behind wins where jeff kerr had the statistic where are you a wins as a qb stat guy or is wins a team stat in this case it's a cube in this case it's a qb stat when you look at how you've been playing this shit. I, I wish i could find did i use it oh yeah okay jalen this is this is probably my favorite one of the bunch jalen hurts when tied or trailing at any point this year 152 of 214, 71 completion percentage, 1,710 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception, 114.1 rating leads the NFL. Talk nerdy to me, Kev. I love this. Because, dude, you know what's what's weird? Honestly, I'd ask you, I'd ask the chat, because Hertz is the MVP, you know, the front rider for MVP now. He may have been the betting favorite coming into this game, was he? Or he, he was, and we talked about it last week, and I was like, his numbers just don't scream MVP, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I, well, and here's the thing, too. He was in the driver's seat for MVP last year, too, before the injury. So let's not forget that. He missed the two games with the shoulder, but I, I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't, don't know if Jalen Hurts has been better this year than he was last year. You know? I feel like... Not, no. I mean, because they're not, they're not winning as sexy. Like, he's... No. They're scoring just as many points as they did with Shane Steichen. The defense is, I, I, I think, worse. They're still leading the league in pressures. They're not getting to the quarterback as much. But like before, before Kansas City, you, I could never admit that this team is better than last year's team. Are they more resilient than last year's team? You could argue yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but man, they were so loaded at defensive line. Their linebacker core, I thought, was better. You know, you saw what happened when, you know, they released Derek Barnett. Fletcher Cox goes down. Like some of those guys played more snaps than, than they've ever played in that their careers. Crazy. I mean, even Nolan yeah. Smith got eleven snaps, and that's a career high for him. So, like, well, isn't I mean, it J- wild? Jalen have like 60, 70 snaps. He played. Uh, yeah, let me see. I have it actually pulled up here. Hassan Reddick. This is a credit to Rube to Ruben Frank. Um, because somebody, I guess, a reader asked him. Here's the, the question from the reader on Twitter: Is how did the Eagles' D line make up for the release of Derek Barnett and then the injury to Fletcher Cox? Yeah, I mean, think about it, right? So they waived Derek Barnett, but go for context here. Going back to Dallas and going back to KC, 
Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat were already at 80% plus for, for snaps in the game, each one of those guys. And Brandon Graham was only getting like 20 something, whatever percent. So they were only really let, like rolling a three man rotation. And they waved Derek Barnett on top of that. Somewhat ironically, you come out of it to this game and they end up playing. I have it written down here somewhere. The Eagles were they, with overtime, adding with overtime, the defense was on the field for 40 minutes and 30 seconds. On for, for further context, on top of the context, the Eagles are like one of the best time of possession teams in the NFL, and they always have been. And they typically are like the defense is typically only on the field for like 20 something minutes, like between like 25, 26, 27, whatever, something like that. They usually have the best skew ever. And this one they were on for like the most. Um, yeah, yeah, right there. Eagles defense played 95 snaps, the most ever, according to Stathead. Hassan Reddick, 83 snaps. Ties the most by the by an Eagles edge on record. Brandon Graham played 83 in overtime in Dallas in 2018. Josh Schwed, 81. Jalen Carter, 76. Jordan Davis, 62. I, I mean, he's never played 60. Close. That is, that is and there he is at man. the end of the game sprinting to try to tackle Josh Allen and he gets a hand on him, yeah. which is insane to me. I can't even, like, let alone that he's able to move like that, but he got a hand on a guy. Marlon Tui Pelotu got 32 snaps. He only played 61 all year. Brandon Graham, 26. Fletcher Cox, only 22 before he left. And Zach Cunningham left, too. I mean, that Christian Ellis was in there for a stretch. Nolan, Nolan Smith. I mean, yeah, that's just funny, man. I, I get, like the Nolan Smith thing, I wonder if it was just preseason hype and we just got too far ahead of ourselves. But It's, it's Nakob Jean hype that we had the same, the same thing. Nakob, yeah. Well, for our new listeners on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Nakob is like an inside joke because Kyle didn't know how to say his name initially. He knows it's Nakobe Dean, but he says – No, Nicobe. he doesn't. But, but this is the thing that, yeah, I mean, they need another edge rusher, you yeah. know. So they they released, uh, you know, they waved Derek Barnett when they were already, like, when they were only really running a three-man rotation to begin with, you know. Who, whose fault is it for the slow start? I got to ask one negative question. I'm, I'm, it's a very positive uh, program right now. I really do enjoy it. But you do got to ask one question. Like, what? Who, who's, is it Jalen, you know, not getting guys open? Is it Jalen, you know, he, he him reading the RPO this year, or design runs is, is is not as good as he has been in his career. Is it Jalen not making the plays? Is it Brian Johnson making the calls in the first half? Like, does it take you know what would you uh, what would you say is going on? I wonder if they're just you know if it's taking them a while to kind of understand what the defense is giving them, or if they're just seeing a lot of unscouted looks. You know, um, maybe they're just maybe it's just taking them time to settle in and say, okay, here's what's going on. I thought I remembered reading somewhere that um, the Bills are playing a ton of zone. Um, Last night, I, I do wonder why they've kind of gotten away from how many like little easy pitch and catch slants did AJ Brown run last year? You know, a ton. I don't see that. Like, there's not a lot of easy dump offs either that are built into um, some of these plays because really the the dump off is essentially just really your check down is just Jalen taking off with his feet. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of the mechanic there. But I, I think it's just a combination of those kinds of things. Like, it's like they're not. Jalen's not ready to go or he doesn't know what he's seeing or they're getting unscouted looks or it just takes Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni a minute to kind of figure it out and then get going, you know? Um, but even then, I mean, there's a look, I mean, the Zacchaeus touchdown, that's just backyard flag football, them making shit up on the fly, you know? Um, you know, so they have these moments too, where they're just freelance and freestyle. And I, I still have these moments where I'm just like scratching my head being like, what, what is this call? And why, why at that moment, you know, and just for the record. So, I mean, just cause we're positive and we're like, you know, bullish on the team or whatever. doesn't mean like, I'm sure at some point all this shit is going to catch up with them. I thought it would have caught up with them by now. But, catch up with them this week. 
Yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, the loss is coming. The loss is coming. The loss is coming. I mean, I think we all know that. And nobody expects them to go 16 and one. But uh, yeah, I mean, just how far the question really is like, how much of a hole do they have to dig for themselves? That they, how big is the hole that they're not going to be able to get out of it? The hole seems to be 10 points. Is it, is that the, that is the stretch? I mean, or that is the threshold. Even within 10, they have, uh, they have a chance to win. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny too, because like, so they had the second drive that they did score on. Um, because I'm looking at that and I'm like, what is different about that? Why, what worked on that drive versus what wasn't working? They went 10 plays and 73 yards. They didn't convert a single third down. Um, they had the fourth and one shove that they converted, but they were like able to kind of, they had a couple big running plays, especially towards the end of that, end of that, where they were able to stay ahead of the, the chains. Yeah, I don't under, I don't understand why you've got Lane Johnson out. You've got Jack Driscoll in there. It's um, pissing buckets of rain. And you come out and you drop back three times in a row. Um, What DeAndre Swift had three carries in the first half? What's that? DeAndre Swift had three carries in the first half? (sighs) Yeah. And, you know, they had the the issue with – they had the fumble, right, with the the, um, the, – look, I I think a lot of – both of those turnovers, I would love to go through every single turnover the Eagles have had this year. And I'm like, how how many of them have come on some kind of – Read pool, RPO, zonery, whatever kind of family of players. Because on the first one, Jalen Hurts pulled that, throws it for – it was just an RPO, throws it for Jack Stoll. Even if he had completed that pass and wasn't batted up in the air, that was going for a yard at, at most, you know. Um, and then the Gainwell play, it looked like he um, for, like almost forgot kind of what the play was because he goes to stick the ball into Gainwell's gut, and then he pulled it out, and then he went to kind of to give it back to him. Yeah. So by that point, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, Gainwell probably felt it come in and he didn't get it. So he's moving on to go block or whatever. Block, yeah. But then I'm watching that play back on, on replay and the left side of the offensive line is run blocking and Julio Jones is run blocking and they're not running um, you know, any kind of any kind of routes on that side. So I wonder if it was just straight RPO and Jalen just like, I don't know, forgot what the play was or just, yeah, I've never seen, I've never seen him like double clutch on a, on a, read and pull like that. I would love to see them kind of maybe get away from that a little bit, you know, um, just do what you do. Well, inside zone, run Deandre Swift, get Jason Kelsey out in space, you know, find AJ Brown. Not everything has to be four, you know, intermediate or deep routes. You know, I, I just feel like they can, they can do more on more simple stuff to kind of get them going, you know, Jake Elliott, greatest kicker in franchise history. Can we say that yet? Um, well, David in the chat says, "Get a real NFL ball, man. A real <laughs> NFL ball, right? Is that is that a Paul Tagliabue or is that a Roger Goodell? It says official size Wilson NFL. I don't know. It doesn't have like the thing. It doesn't look a little. It doesn't look a little small in your hands. It's deflated. So I got like deflate gig. Oh, yeah. oh, we got a little Tom Brady over there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you and Tom Brady in small hands could grip it. I like that, dude. I, I, Jake Elliott, man. I, you, you. I don't want to say anything negative about David Akers, you know, like Best how do I, yeah. how do, how do I, how do I, how do I answer that question without, without this put that. you on the spot? I mean, Jake Elliott, he's an absolute dog, 59 yards in the rain. He had that, that big field goal against the Patriots earlier in the season. That was also in the rain on turf, even harder. Yeah. Uh, 61 yarder, obviously walk off against the giants in Super Bowl. He's had more memorable memories than David Akers has had, but I mean, you got to give it to the to the guy with the all time points leader still, right? I mean, he might have more memories, but Akers still has the title, and I mean, some memorable moments that 
game-winning field goal against the Giants in the playoffs. Remember when he came in against Oakland after he tore his hamstring, had a 28-yarder, barely could walk off the field? And yeah. then, like, we also got to, like, throw in there that, like, Akers, that moment at the NFL draft in Dallas when he just went off. <laughs> to be building up off-field. Off um, yeah. So, like, I don't know if Jake Elliott has that in him. I mean, we we, uh, we, could, we could maybe see that in the, uh, in the future after he retires. I'm still going to give it to Akers, but, oh, my God, does Jake Elliott have so many memorable memories. I mean... The guy just is clutch, ice. Clutch, ice. clutch gene. And it seems like he also does it too. Like, it seems like he's always on his game when the rest of the team isn't. Mm-hmm. Who are we saying here after week one, man? The Patriots. Who are we giving the game ball to? We're giving it to Jake Elliott because he hit two from 50 plus yards on like wet turf while it was drizzling in New England. Mm-hmm. Four for four in that game, two from 50 plus. The Washington overtime game that he walked off was four for four. Also hit one from 50 plus. And then in this game, the other overtime game last night, he's hits from 59 in the rain mm-hmm. to to send it to overtime. So in in the two overtime games, plus the season opener, Jake Elliott, nine for nine, I think four for four from 50 plus. Yeah. Which is which I is see. just insane to me. I don't really you know it's funny too, because I don't remember David Akers nailing like long field goals with regularity, but when you go through his like game log for for every or you go through his like season log or whatever in every season he had like a big 50 plus yarder 53 51 50 i'm just going year by year 99 through 2013 david acres longs 53 51 50 51 57 51 50 47 53 51 52 50 55 63 remember that 63 yarder damn that was that was not for the eagles that was what after he went to um, san francisco yeah and then he hit a 53 yarder for detroit but i just I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can't remember the last one that Jake Elliott had. I wonder know. who Akers is rooting for this weekend. <laughs> the Eagles, bar none. Hey, I hope. Uh, I hope the national media will talk about Coach Sirianni's wonderful gesture after the game, going into the locker room to to uh, shake Sean McDermott's hand um, with Howie <laughs> Roseman because he wasn't able to after overtime because it was such an emotional win. So I just really hope uh, we can give our we can give our coach credit. In the national side. Well, we game. had Brandon Grip. Yeah, it was, I mean, just a, a quintessential Eagles win in 2023. A bunch of viral moments after the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Nick Sirianni going to find Sean McDermott. Former Eagles coach Sean shout, McDermott. Shout out to that Eagles fan who still who stared at four humongous Bills linemen in the face and just took it on the chin. What do you think she was saying to him? I mean, they, they seemed so mad Probably about, about their Thanksgiving. What they have. <laughs> probably i i don't i mean there's just surely there's got to be a fine and suspension coming just for putting hands on a fan at all right i mean is that what we're we're that's got to be the toughest woman in philadelphia like i would not cross that woman i mean she stared them in the face what an all-time just like but this is what 10 and one's being like but like, they all come over yeah, all four of them come over and they're all mad at her. Like I, you ever see the meme where it's like cocky and distraught, and it's like the wherever the arrows on, like like in Philadelphia right now, like ten and one. Yeah, like that. That is the cockiness personified right there. That is just the toughness. Just looking those Bills players in the face and being like, you know, and I'm not backing up. Well, and then Brandon Graham saying, you know, it don't matter. It don't matter. Oh, <laughs> just like what Matt. What Matt Hasselbeck thought he was going to be. And Jason Kelsey, by the way, too. We didn't even mention this. Jason Kelsey committing the two 
uh, false start penalties on the final yeah. drive that were going that were pushing them back ten yards, and then he gets the that crack. Uh, it's, it was kind of a pancake. He kind of got the guy from the side, but the, the, how fast he is to be able to pull. Yeah. And just crack that guy coming laterally to kind of open a lane for Jalen. I thought I saw Baldy or somebody else breaking it down where they were just saying he was the other uh, guy who does the offensive line breakdowns. Jeff Schwartz, I want to say, who was a former mm-hmm. pro. Yeah, he was saying like they just caught him in a in a zero coverage and the the QB is the QB the QB draw is probably like the play. The QB draw for the Eagles this year has become like the Andy Reid shovel pass or something <laughs> that my dad and my uncles always like lamented you know here's the damn shovel pass again but when it works it works mm-hmm. you know yeah. hey when it works it works and they there were some great breakdowns you know send uh they sent swift in motion and uh and i think micah hyde went with them the linebacker went with them and i think even like a, a outside linebacker went with them and it just gave jalen that uh that pathway for a walk-in touchdown which yeah. was what a game what an end to a game you want to bring on our guest yeah, let's bring him on. Let's say he's he's an Eagles fan. Like he's always shouting out the Eagles for. He is. He I'm is. sure he had thoughts about last night's game. Hey, yeah, he's a two-time NCAA championship, two-time college coach of the year, and a Hall of Famer. We've got Coach Jay Wright on the program. Coach, how are you? How are you guys? Great to be with you. Love listening to the Eagles breakdown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, as a coach, you know, what do you think about the Eagles? I know you're always tweeting about them after they win, and and what do you think about how they're winning games? I just, I love this team. I, I love the I love the mental makeup of this team. They're obviously talented at every spot. Howie Roseman's put together an incredible roster, but there's a lot of talented teams that go through some injuries, lose a game. You know, have a couple bad breaks, lose a game. Um, just like Kevin was talking about, two false start penalties gets in your head. You're afraid to play aggressively. You make another mistake. And instead, Jason Kelsey comes out and pancakes that guy, opens up, um, you know, a, a running lane for Jalen Hurts to score a touchdown. All those the, – the the mental aspect of how they respond week in and week out to everybody's Super Bowl. Everybody – that even Kansas City, when they, when they went into Kansas City, yeah. the Chiefs kind of needed that game – more than the Eagles did, and it's a home game. It's Monday night football. I mean, it was huge for the Chiefs, huge. And then the Eagles still find a way. It, it, their their mental makeup and leadership's incredible to me. Yeah, this was this was what we call a letdown game. Like we were we were we were lining up for for a letdown game, and I was like, you know what? They're all wearing Kelly Green. Maybe it won't be as much a letdown. They'll be fired up and everything. But like, and it's funny, like you know. We got we got images of you in the 2016 national championship fireworks bang explosions you're all you know cool as cool as a cucumber and then you got Coach Sirianni you guys celebrate in different ways after wins he's <laughs> high fiving people he's telling Chiefs fans you know cursing at them down the tunnel and stuff Coach do you wish you could ever you know celebrate like that sometimes when you're coaching <laughs> I, now that I'm now that I'm a fan I celebrate like that you know and I. Uh, <laughs> and I, he's, um, I, I think he's got a lot of strengths. He, he's, he is, he's a, he's a coach that is uh, growing into being a great head coach. And he knows that like, he doesn't, he doesn't try to put on the aura that he's got all the answers right now. Um, but, and I, and, and he's so emotional and, and authentic. And I, and I think that's what, 
what players really respond to. You know, you spend so much time with your players and coaches. It, you literally more than your family. You really do. It's not even an exaggeration. Far more time than you spend with your family. So they know exactly who you are. They know if you're fronting or not. They know if you're a fraud or not. And they know if you're authentic. And I think what what the Eagles respond to with Coach Sirianni is he is authentic. He's hardworking. He's in it with them. And he's and he's talented. And 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 I think he's just so real. Like some of the like yelling at the Kansas City fans, it's crazy, man. Like nothing good can when he does that stuff. I just hope he comes out of it without something crazy happening to him. It's just, especially when you're on the road, there's just no. You, you know it, though. In Philadelphia, you could do anything if you win. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you know it. Oh, you yeah. could, yeah. you know, but, yell at whoever you want. But when you're on the road, in, in all the years I've been coaching, the craziest things happen to you when you're on the road. Um, like, you you just, I mean, you guys probably down close to the field, but you just can't imagine what people yell at you, and it's the entire game. And you're yeah. doing the game, and you're tr- and you're trying to block it out because you want to concentrate on the game, and it's really getting to you. It, it's annoying you, and you want to turn around and say "shut up." <laughs> and you're fighting it, and you're fighting it, and the game finally ends, and you feel like you feel like, "Oh, I got to get this out." I just I, it's been killing me the whole <laughs> game. I got to get it out. And then. You know, you run into some crazy person in the tunnel. You just never know what's going to happen. So you just got to try to fight it the best you can. Well, Coach, as a Temple guy, uh, I'm not going to – well, I'll apologize now that you're retired. I apologize for everything that I said to you while I was behind the bench. <laughs> and you guys were good. Yeah. And you guys were good. Temple was good. Coach, you ruined my 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 college career, okay? You ruined my college career, all right? Yeah. Yeah, me too, me too, because I was a West Virginia guy, but like 10 years before Kyle. So I was there in Morgantown while like, you know, Kyle Lowry and Alan Ray and Randy Foy and all of them were, <laughs> were being a pain in the ass. But we're happy that it's that those days have have passed. You know? mm-hmm. I should know that that's why you guys have a great podcast, because <laughs> Temple and West Virginia were literally two of the nastiest places to play. The craziest. I, I can't believe I did not know that. You guys were from those two schools. I should have. If you would have asked me to pick two of the craziest places to play where they get on you the most, those those would be up there in the top five. Those two. Yeah. Well, we'll we I think we I think I speak for Kyle when we say we'll take that as a compliment because we yes. were probably both in the crowd, like probably like first or second row, or you know, waiting in the snow to get in there yeah. so we can all stampede each other like it's Black Friday to get the best seats in the Coliseum or whatever, you know. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I just my, my final point on the Sirianni thing. It's like, you know, you, you're you from here, Jay. You, you get it. It's like you can be whatever you want to be. Just be authentic. Yeah. You know, just be yourself. And like they, and, you know, Philly will sniff out a fraud. Yeah. And if Nick Sirianni is being somebody that he's not. OK, but I do. I do feel like do you think when players see that, that they recognize that and respond to that, like this genuineness, like, hey, maybe Nick's a little goofy. Maybe he doesn't do it traditionally, but th- this is who he is. And I see that and I respect that. 100 percent and i and i think it goes the other way too i think um and and if if i've ever had a chance to talk to any philadelphia coach i i I think 
that that's what I've shared with them. If they're not from the area, I just try to tell them like, you can't look, you're, you're not, th- these fans are so passionate, but you're not, you can't even fake like you care more than them. You, it, you, you're doing your job. You're from out of town. You're doing the best you can. And that's all you can do here. Cause these people live it. It's generational here. And you just, you can't try to trick them. And if your players see, if your players see that you're playing to the crowd and it's not real, or you're trying to say things, then yeah. they're kind of thinking in their minds, how much is he doing that with us? You know? And, and if they see you're real and you take the hits and you, 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 you see the enthusiasm and you're, you're real with the media, they, they, they basically understand, like, you know what, he's, he's real with us too. This, this is who he is. And they respect that. Yeah. Uh, let me switch gears here, Coach. How um, how sick of you are you? How sick are you of being asked if you're going to coach again? <laughs> it's not – It's not, hey, pretty soon they're going to be saying, hey, this old fart, he couldn't do it if he wanted to. So <laughs> it's better It's better than that way. Just say – it's better than someone saying, like, yeah. You know, you're washed up, man. You, what are you going? What are you going to do now? You got nothing you can do. Because you know that's like the obligatory. Like anytime anybody gets Jay right, it's like you have to ask him the obligatory. Like, is he ever going to go back to coaching, or like what? Or like what would it take to go to go back to coaching? You know, you know what I mean. It's you like is, is, I, I, I don't. You know, I never retired before, so I know enough to know <laughs> that. Um, you know, things change in life, but it, uh, honestly, right now, I, I really enjoy, I enjoy not coaching. <laughs> like it's more than, I, I don't miss it. I, I love being in the position. I love going to watch games. I love being able to go to Eagles games, go to Phillies games, watch the games. Like, you know, I watched the Eagles game yesterday. I would have a laptop in my lap watching game film as I watched the game and then when the game's over, I'd be ready for practice the next day. And I'd be using things that happened in the Eagles game to share with my team the next day that could help us. <laughs> and then realize, like, a little bit later, my assistants would tell me, like, you know, like, most of these guys aren't from Philly. They hate the Eagles. Like, they're yeah. they're, they're commanders. They all think fans. the push-push should be banned. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I think, like, yeah, but it's such a great example, man. they, they got to buy into this. But I just I, I'm really enjoying doing all of the other things that when I was coaching, I was so um, obsessed and 100 percent. And I really didn't get to enjoy the other things in life like this Thanksgiving was the first time I was home for the whole Thanksgiving. What, what a great holiday, man. Watching games. Never, yeah. never did You're that. Welcome. This is what Thanksgiving is like. I hope you <laughs> yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really enjoying it. So I don't really see anything. But, you know, maybe in two years I get bored. I don't know. But I, I'm not mm-hmm. bored now. And I'm, I'm really enjoying this. So the Cats, obviously, over the weekend, they won the battle for Atlantis, 9-0, never lost before. We all know it beat up on Memphis, <laughs> top 15 in the nation now. You know, they're back, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, what's your thoughts about the team this early into the season? You know what, Kyle? It's so funny. As now I know you're a Temple guy. I would tell our guys this. I would say, guys, just so you know, like we're in Philly. These people don't give a crap about whether we're, we're – they got their own teams. Like don't don't get caught up in this stuff. Like we, we're Villanova. We take care of Villanova. Don't get upset if people aren't excited about what we do. Like this is a different city, man. There's six teams here. There's nowhere else like this. 
Like I used to talk to John Calipari, Bill Self about this. Like in their towns, there's nobody else. So, sure. yeah. so when they're happy, everybody's happy. When they're sad, everybody's it's kind of one of the nice things about coaching in Villanova. Like you, you can have a couple bad games, and if the Eagles are playing well, everybody's pretty good with you. You know, they're not, <laughs> That's a good not point. Sure. Yeah, you guys are not going to end up on the, being the topic of WIP exactly. because there's a lot of complaints to be made about the Eagles instead. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I, I love where the, the, the team is right now. I, I thought um, I thought this this weekend, this tournament um, gave them a lot of shared experiences that are going to carry over for them. They They got down in the Carolina game, kept battling back, found a way to win it in OT. They got up big against a really good Memphis team and and never took the foot off the pedal and kept grinding and learned how to put a team away. So they got – and the Texas Tech team they played was really tough. They got down in that game too. So they come out of that knowing how to win together but having a lot of shared experiences that are going to be valuable going forward. So Do we've you, got the uh, – I'm sorry, I got one more. Do, do oh, you yeah. It's crazy that they put these – these tournaments in such beautiful places like Atlantis, Maui, and then you can't even enjoy it. You can't be walking on the white sandy beaches when you got to worry about North Carolina or Memphis. Like, do you ever <laughs> think about that? Like, why not just put it in like Des Moines, Idaho or something like that? I swear, Kyle, I swear to you, this is no exaggeration. We went to Memphis. We went to Atlantis twice while I was coaching. So you're there for Tuesday. You're there for five or six days. I never saw the outside of the hotel ever. I didn't see the beach. I didn't see the pool. I didn't see, and not not in any bad way. Just that you're you're going to practice. You're watching film. You walk on the inside. The crazy thing about Atlantis is, you walk through the casino from your hotel room. You walk through the casino to get to the to the court where the games are, which is actually pretty cool. Um, but I never was outside. Now. To answer your question, the reason they do it is over 600 Villanova people went down there because they're having a great time. They are, they are loving it. They're outside all the time. They get upset when there's like a one or two o'clock game. So it's it's in the way of pool time. They're not out in the sun. They they like they like they'll take like 11 a.m. game or they'll take like a five or six p.m. game. They hate those mid afternoon games. I'm I'm sorry. I'm <clears throat> I'm laughing because the chat is having a field day. Kyle had a Freudian slip and said Des Moines, Idaho instead Did of Idaho. <laughs> it's a Freudian slip, not not his temple education. Public, <laughs> public school education. Public school college education. But and just so people are aware too, Atlantis is Atlantis is in the Bahamas. It's not like the mysterious under underwater, no. you know, um, <laughs> city or any of that. Now we're all straight on the geography front. Um <laughs> So, Jay, let me ask you about the Big Five Classic coming up on on Saturday. For people who are not aware, that there's a different <clears throat> format this year. Drexel is in. Uh, they're going to split it up, and they're playing two different pods. LaSalle, Temple, Drexel in pod one. St. Joe's, Penn, Villanova in pod two. Kind of round-robin playing. They're all going to come together and play uh, a triple header at the Wells Fargo Center on Saturday. Um, your thoughts in general, not not just the format switch, but doing the, the triple header thing. I love this. It's it's something we've been talking about for years and, and to, to try to, to finally put this together. I think Dan Hilferty was a big part of this and, and to have um, Comcast Spectacore behind this is really good for the city of Philadelphia. It's really good for the teams. It's, it's hard for 
traditional big five fans to understand as college basketball change changed and TV contracts change. It's so difficult to schedule these games and as much fun as the games are and they're great because of having to schedule them, it actually can affect your next game sometimes or your previous game. So it was actually sometimes hurting big five teams where you had to put this game in on Sunday. You, you, you got a league game coming up on Monday. It's a big five game. You're emotionally invested. And then you come to your first league game. You're not ready. I mean, that, that's a little bit of exaggeration, but it did happen sometimes. And then you'd play a game in February. You know, you'd pl- I know we would sometimes t- to play Temple in February because it was Temple's home game and ESPN had the rights to Temple's home game. They would dictate that's where they wanted the game, which was great to get it on ESPN. But, you know, Temple would be playing Houston right before us. We'd be playing Connecticut. It would be it was it was crazy. And, and then you you didn't know who the big five champion was because you didn't, never knew when it ended or when it started. Yeah, yeah. I wanted – we always wanted this to be a positive for the teams and positive for Philadelphia basketball. Now you're going to know who the big – everybody's going to know who the big five champion is. Like the, it would end sometimes and no one even knew that the big five season ended. They didn't even know who won. Yeah. And you're going to know who the champion is. Everybody's going to get to see everybody. And as we build this thing, eventually everybody in the big five should make money off this tournament for their programs. In the past, everybody lost money on big five games. The schools all invested in these games and lost money. So as times have changed, this is the next step. And we could keep building on this thing and make it bigger and bigger and better. And this is just the beginning and, and I hope everybody comes down and, and watches all the games. Like If you enjoyed going to the Palestra back in the day, I know it's not the Palestra, but Wells Fargo Center is a beautiful place to watch games. It's going to be six great teams playing, and it should be a great day Saturday. Yeah, it's Villanova South. We know where it's going to be played at. <laughs> Villanova South. I, you know, it's funny because um, – I'm paraphrasing here, but we had Fran Dunphy on the show a couple weeks ago, and he and he um he, he his thought was like he wants this to become like an event for the city, like something the city can partake in. Was it, am, am I remembering that correctly, Kyle? Something like yeah, but he but he also made the point, Jay, that um there's just there's a lot of stuff going on in Philadelphia. There's four pro teams, you know, um, you got the Union and Chester, you know, and if you're a Big Five fan of a specific school, maybe you don't care about the other. He was just talking about the idea of like oversaturation, you know. So it's almost like, did, did you do you feel that like it's it's the big five has to do more to kind of like surface itself and kind of like like demand that kind of slice of the pie just because there's so many eyeballs in so many different places now. Definitely, Kevin. And I hate to suggest these things because now it looks like I have time and I should do it, but I definitely don't want to take this on. But this is why I applaud Dan Hilferty because he is has has started to to build this and promote this some. But I really think there used to be a director of the big five. Um, uh, and, and when that was back in the day, when you had double headers at the palestra and they were make teams were making money and it was a good business venture too. Um, but now there is no organization of the big five. It's just the athletic directors of the schools. If we could keep building this thing where you got a television contract where teams were making money. They shared the revenue 
of people coming there. We, we added coaches versus cancer to this where, where we benefited um, cancer research in the city and really make this thing a big, a big event. And to Fran's point, that that's what would happen with the big five. You'd have a big five game, let's say Temple Villanova. And that the winner of that game was going to be the big five champion. And it was in February and the Sixers had a game and the Flyers had a game and St. Joe's was playing Dayton for first place in the Atlantic. <laughs> and no one even knew, like, if, if this is the same weekend, we know when it is. People are, know that that's what they do on that weekend at, over time. I think it really could become a great event in Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think there's so much more now with NIL and stuff that you can just get in. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, in-season tournament, $500,000 at the NBA's doing yeah. or something like that. But there's so much, you know, different resources. There's so much different endorsements for these players and stuff to get some sponsors in here. You know, I really think it, I really think it comes down to – to your temples, to your LaSalle's, to your St. Joe's and your Drexel's just being constantly competitive like you guys were over the course of your of your career. I know as a Temple fan, I know I got buddies at LaSalle, I got buddies at St. Joe's. It's like, you know, I love what uh, I, I love what they're doing over there at St. Joe's and LaSalle's off to a hot start. Temple's done pretty good, took Ole Miss to uh, to the end there. But consistently winning and being competitive and stuff because it's it's, you know, it would be just like if the Eagles or the Cowboys are winning the NFC East by four or five games every single year people will be like man it's the nfc's you know pencil in this team or it, tom brady and the, and the patriots during his run you know it was always afc east it's going right to the to the patriots every year so i think really the competition and stuff would uh would bring it back would, would uh get people really I, going i agree and i think if this tournament can add in a small way where i know when i came out of high school you wanted to play in the big five because of the, because of the big five, you know, recently we would go recruit guys. They never even heard of the big five, you know, and then you'd have, you'd have kids from Philadelphia. Um, I remember when, when Wayne Ellington and Gerald Henderson went to Duke and Carolina and them. And I remember uh, Roy Williams came, we were recruiting them at Villanova and Roy Williams came to town to, to recruit Wayne Ellington and Comcast did a big thing on Roy Williams coming to, I was like, dude, like, give <laughs> me off a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, come on, you're promoting Carolina coming in here. <laughs> Who cares? Like promote it. Brandon Duffy's recruiting him. Jay Wright, promote the Philadelphia teams that you guys are making them. It's almost like you're making a statement to the, to the players. Like, Hey, we'll follow you. If you go, if you leave Philadelphia, you know, yeah. Well, the executive producer was probably like a temple guy and probably using whatever, whatever, whatever leverage he could do to kind of steer, steer him away from you, you know? I wasn't smart enough to think of that at the time. Thinking, again, like I said, I'm thinking we're all in here in Philly. We're all in. But all you have, all you have to know, Jay, is like it, like 75% of people in the Philly sports media are temple guys. Yeah. So if you ever felt like you never got a fair shake, that's probably why. <laughs> I thank God. I, I thank God I was good. I didn't have high expectations, but I I appreciated everything we got. I, I still can't, I can't believe, and I was a little worried about it. I never admitted it, but when we won the first national championship and they said they were going to have a parade in Philly, I was like, oh, I was pissed. I said to our athletic director, I was like, oh man, I don't, <laughs> yo, are you sure we want to do this, man? I, Coach, I was pissed, man. Gonna go. There's a lot of fans of other teams in this city, man. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. But I got to say, it was awesome. Everybody was awesome. It was all right. 
Well, to that point, too, I think five years in a row on the website, I wrote some version of the is is Villanova a Philly school column. And I think I just changed out a couple sentences. I'm like, my opinion really hasn't changed. I mean, there's they play at the Wells Fargo Center. There's bat- banners hanging there. But I was a neutral. I wasn't a Temple guy. Or- <laughs> well, Coach, is Villanova a Philly school? Hell yeah. Hell no. It yeah. is. Yes, 40 it minutes is. outside the city. It, it is, but – it is, but it, it it's still a part of the Philadelphia community. Mm-hmm. We play at the Wells Fargo Center. We take pride in that. And we do take pride in being a part of Big Five basketball and Philadelphia basketball. If if we like if we if Villanova separated themselves from the Big Five, separated themselves from Phil, you know, only played on campus. We're not playing in the Wells Fargo Center. One of the financially, obviously, it's very lucrative for Villanova to play at the Wells Fargo Center. But being a part of Philadelphia basketball is really a big part of our recruiting. And we recruit guys to come to Philadelphia and be a part of this Philadelphia sports scene. And we do take pride in it. Now we get it. We're out on the main line. Get it. And and we we understand that. But we we do take great pride in it and we do count ourselves as a big far, when we have recruits come in, we stay downtown in the city. We want them. We want to advertise Philadelphia for, for not even just recruits, but also for people coming in for admissions and stuff like, Hey, we're look how proximity we are to Philadelphia. Yeah. We, and we use it. We, we use it a lot yeah, we know. and we're yeah. proud of it and we're proud of it. And as I said, playing the games down there at the Wells Fargo center, I, I don't, I, I'm sure you guys as temple fans, West don't care about this, but one of the great, traditions that Villanova has is when when we play a home game at the Wells Fargo Center, the bus stops at Xfinity Live two and a half hours before the game when the team's coming in. The team gets out and walks through Xfinity Live. They call it the Wildcat Walk. That place is packed. It is packed two and a half hours before a game. And we tell there's no that's the love of Philadelphia. And they're not all Villanova fans, Philadelphia basketball fans. And we tell our recruits like there's nowhere you know, they do that in the SEC for football two and a half hours before the game. But basketball in Philadelphia is just as important as football is in the in the in the South in the SEC. And and that's a big part of Villanova is is that Philadelphia basketball passion. I have uh last one for me, coach. I, I I'm I'm laughing because every time we do a post that involves the big five on the site, you know, it goes onto Facebook, it goes onto Twitter, whatever. Every time there will be at least one person who comments and says, I will never forgive Villanova for killing the big five or whatever. And I, I, I was like seven years old when all this happened. The best I could find was like a morning morning call article from like 1991 that was behind a paywall. But something to do with something to do with Raleigh and the Big East and round robin play going away. I don't totally have a, a grasp on this narrative that the fans keep telling me, can you, can you explain like, like for people who don't know why that is out there, what it means and who, who killed the big East or, or, or killed the big fire, saved the big fire. What is the timeline for millennials like myself and, and zoomers as well? Yeah. That was, that was in the late eighties when back then you didn't have the television contracts with conferences as big as you do now. So back then, the way the bigger teams could make some money is Villanova played in the Big East. But if Villanova would go 
and play at CBS would come to Villanova and say, if you play at Carolina, we'll pay you $200,000 to play in this game. That doesn't happen anymore. But what, what was happening was, and the games, you played less games than you played 26 games. So Villanova had like 18 league games and they had to play four big five games and Villanova was losing money on the big five games. So Carolina would come to Villanova and say, if you CBS would say, if you play Carolina, we'll pay you this money. And Villanova would have to say, we can't, we got big five games. We don't have any games left. So at one point they Villanova said, and it was our president, father Dobbin and Roley coach Massimino did support it, but it was our president. And he took responsibility and said, look, we'll only play two games in the big five because we have to play these non-conference games. We're, we're passing up. We don't, we're passing up all this money and these national game opportunities. So they agreed to play two games a year. And then everybody blamed Coach Massimino because you didn't have the round robin. And then years later, we went back and said, okay, it wasn't it wasn't worth and television contracts changed after that, where yeah. The conferences control. You didn't get extra money for playing those national TV games. It was all part of your contract. So Villanova came back in. Everything went back to the same. Thank you for clarifying. Now, I, I don't try to respond oh, wow. to the people on social media, but if I ever do decide to respond, at least I kind of know what I'm talking about now. You, you so. got to take Coach Wright's approach where some guy behind, two rows behind him is yelling at him. He wants to say whatever he wants to say, but he can't, you know, <laughs> until he wins. Then he goes back <laughs> in the locker room and lets all the men. I, I got a great one for you. When I was in the early years of Villanova, we had this guy named Beefer. who was a great Villanova fan, and he sat behind a bench, and I didn't know it. And I, during the game, we were bad in the beginning. We were getting beat. And it might have been the Temple game at home. And he kept screaming, transition defense, transition defense. And he was right. He's like, our transition defense sucks. And he was right. But I couldn't say anything. And it was really ticking me off. So towards the end of the game, I didn't know who it was. And it, we were losing. And I turned around. And I said, yo, shut up. And as I said, shut up, I saw the guy's face. And it was this loyal booster, great guy. <laughs> And he was sitting right in, like a row behind my wife. So we lose the game. I got home. My wife says, I open the door. She goes, Jay, you made Beefer cry. Get on the phone and call him and apologize. Not only did we lose, my wife made me call the guy and apologize for yelling at him during the game. I love friendly, that. Friendly fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> what a story to end this. Hey, coach, we really appreciate you coming on, being generous with your time and everything. Good luck you with guys everything. Great we'll, job. Great being thank with you. you. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you during the tournament on the broadcast. Take care, guys. Take care. Yeah. Oh, Coach Jay Wright. Hey. That's fun, uh, man. I think I can like him more now because he's not ruining my life. <laughs> that was one of my favorite interviews we've done. I hate that I like him. Yeah. <clears throat> but but I never I gotta be honest, man. I never because we played them all the time, man, before uh, before we left the big east. And uh Villanova was always a pain in the ass, but I didn't. I didn't hate Villanova. Like I didn't. I didn't dislike Jay Wright like I disliked JJ Redick and Greg Paulus and all the annoying white guys that we described on the show. Yeah, I definitely hate K. I definitely hate Bayheim. I definitely hate Roy Williams. I definitely hate Bill Self. Definitely hate Cal Perry. Not once have I ever said, you know, fucking Jay Wright. God, I hate Jay Wright. I, like I never said that. Even when I was at the heyday of like 2005. Big East basketball when I when I was like a sophomore, you know, I just never 
Couldn't do it, man. I definitely hated him. <laughs> I definitely hated him. <laughs> Ford was having a Des Moines, Idaho, by the way. <laughs> Des Moines, Idaho. Shout out to the boys over in Des Moines, Idaho, who are listening to the show, I guess, because everyone's a geography major in the chat. We just all have a bunch of Mensa candidates in the chat over here because everyone, you know. <laughs> I Idaho, Iowa is the same slip. thing. Freudian there's slip. Like 13, there's like 13 states in the continental United States that we could just combine and we could just be like, you know, this is whatever it's called. And nobody would ever, ever care. And do, and Idaho and Iowa are one of them. I'm I cut, I've, been, I've been out to Iowa. There's not a lot there. Yeah, there's not a lot there. Not a lot of offensive football. Hey, not a lot of things to do. I'm genuinely interested in this because I didn't pay attention to it at all. What the hell happened in the union game this weekend? Oh man. Yeah. Almost forgot about it after the Eagles game. There was a controversial call at the end of the game where it looked like the Cincinnati guy was offside. And I, I like, look, maybe he was onside. Maybe he wasn't what I was lamenting and ranting about on Twitter. And what I wrote for the site is like, we don't have any like camera angles. We have like one camera angle. And so we just have to union fans just kind of have to be like, all right, your season's over. Just trust us that this was offside. There's no know? VAR like line to line. Like there's long story short, VAR does exist in major league soccer, but they don't do it like the premier league where they draw these like crazy lines and they have like the shit going like that, you know? Um, yes. There's the first angle. It was like stoppage time. There was a header down on a set piece. Um, I don't know if they have the back angle on that one, Craig, do they? No. But I mean, when you when you showed it from the other side angle, it looked like he was off and Jim Curtin thought it was off and the union players thought it was off. So they apparently they just um the booth told the ref that he's on side and the ref didn't go over and look at the ref can go over and look at the little monitor, but they isn't didn't do like, it. Isn't this like a billion dollar league we're talking about here with like Real what are we using the Apple TV? What are we using the Apple money for? All the Argentinians who signed oh, up to watch Messi. What the hell are we doing with their money? Can we no, can we do can't yeah. get any more booth reviews because Messi took all of it? Here it is. Here's here's the angle that everybody was looking at. I mean, when you look at that, it does what are we looking at? We're looking at 32 right here. 32 in blue. Yeah. Yeah. So just for just so people are aware here, number nine on the union, Carranza, the hand and the arm don't don't count for offside because the rule says uh, it's only parts of the parts of the body where you can play the ball. So like your shoulder um, and like your, you know, your torso and your foot. So it does look like his foot's lined up with his foot, but it looks like his shoulder. He's like kind of leaning. I, I don't, I don't know. But the point being the thing that I was complaining about wasn't whether he was onside or offside. It's just like, can we get a, can we get a, like give us a better, angle, give us more. Like, can you imagine if this was the NFL and like, you know, it's like the example I put on the put on Twitter the other day. Devontae Smith or somebody has a big catch. We only get like one angle that's inconclusive. And then they just say, well, he dropped it. Trust trust us. This was the call. Well, we'll be good. Fox, they just go right to commercial. You would never <laughs> see that angle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just go right to commercial break or something. So that, that's that was my gripe is like if this is basketball, if this is football, if this is the four major. Like if MLS wants to be taken seriously among like the big sports and you want to make it five for five instead of four for four like this is the kind of shit you got to do you got to be able to bring some closure and finality to it by just saying here's another camera angle that either proves or disproves what's going on here because yeah i mean today if you're a union fan you're just like well our season's over and i just have to take the ref and crew at their at their word you know so it's a lack of 
it's a lack of information, man. The, the craziest thing to me, I think, is that like Apple TV is not letting a national audience see a playoff game. Like, I can't believe that Apple TV, the playoff games are on Apple TV. Is the championship on national cable? They've had a handful of games that are like on FS1 or whatever. I don't know whether MLS Cup is or not. Honestly, I got to go look. I got to go check that. Yeah. That's yeah, just crazy, crazy to me. Like, even though, like, you know, streaming is the future and everything, people still, like, I subscribe to Comcast. Like, you know, I still have Comcast. You yeah. know, I, I would like to watch if the union were to make it to the cup, I'd like to watch the, uh, the final. Um, but I yeah, couldn't, which is wild or play. I games. see the comments, man. I mean, you probably see them too, you know, every once in a while, like on Facebook or Twitter or something like we don't post about the union very often, but when we do, it'll be like, well, I wish I could watch <laughs> or, you know, Emma, the Apple T the Apple deal sucks. Or, you know, I, or people say I watch it on, um, on a PHL 17 last year. Now I can't, can't watch it. So yeah, I mean, they lost those, those casuals, which I think hurt a market like this one a lot more than it hurt other markets. I mean, like, look, Portland's a bunch of younger, the hipster kind of whatever fans. And here we've got Mike from South Philly, right? Who's mm-hmm. like in his 50s. And Mike from South Philly is not signing up for Apple TV and then buying the season pass on top of that. Like, he's just not. So I think I think Philly was hurt. Um you know, a little, a little more than some of these other markets were. This, this feels like when uh, the NHL cut a deal with. Remember that OTN network? It was like the outdoor network, and they would play. Um, they put a season on like the OTN or the OTA or OTL <laughs> network and stuff. And people are like, where can I find hockey games? It's like yeah. it's on channel like uh, sixty four, right behind uh, you know the 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 home shopping network, and no one could find it for a whole year. And they're like, holy shit, you guys signed a deal with this with this. Like everyone yeah. signed deals with ESPN, CBS, Fox, and they're signing one with like OTN. The thing that kills it too, man, is it's it's a double paywall. So first of all, you have to sign up for you have to get Apple TV Plus. So you got this subscription. You can watch Ted Lasso. You can watch Silo or something. I rec- by the way, everybody's listening. I recommend Silo. Couldn't get into it. Um, you're not a sci-fi guy. Couldn't get into it. No, I recommend right. Severance. Severance. Okay. If we're, doing, if we're throwing recommendations out there. So you pay for that, but then you got to pay like $99 or whatever the fuck it was for the season pass on top of that. So there will probably be a point in the very, in the, in the not so distant future where like the Sixers go or uh, NBC sports, Philadelphia ceases to exist. And they just fold all of their coverage into like Peacock. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a Sixers fan and you pay for Peacock, you get the Sixers right there. You know, imagine the Sixers went to, to Peacock and then you had to subscribe to Peacock and then you had to pay a hundred dollars on top of that for something called like the, Sixers season uh, pass or something, right? Yeah, so essentially you're paying like your $6 a month, but then your $100 a year on top of that. That That's, I think, that's the extra layer of Sick. thing they kill. Because I think inevitably, man, look, you got NFL games on Amazon Prime, man. This is not, this is not, we're not far away from this. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that's that. Wasn't the streaming stuff supposed to be cheaper than cable? And now I feel like with all my streaming platforms, I'm basically just paying what I'd be paying for cable. Yeah, but how much imagine but how much of that is because of what we do with this job or even pe- people in the comments section now who watch a lot of sports versus like maybe your average television viewer like maybe like my parents who don't need Apple TV but they're going to subscribe to Disney Plus so that when they're they have my kids or whatever they can watch friggin Moana or something I, right. I mean there's not as lot there's no a la carte for us cuz we need we need everything, you know. Yeah, I mean if I if I didn't work at Crossing Broad, I probably would have YouTube TV and I would just deal with the minute and a half uh what am I thinking of like it's a minute and a half behind. I would just deal with that, I guess. Yeah. It yeah, would yeah. suck, but I would deal with it. 
Yeah. Um, but no, I went up to the minute live coverage. And by the way, I don't know if anyone else is experiencing this. Usually Comcast was up to the minute. I'm starting to get like all my ESPN alerts, like a play before uh, they're I had happening. to turn them. I had to turn them off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm on YouTube TV. So I'm, yeah, we're like 60 yeah, seconds but, away. But, I had to turn off the push notifications. But too. satellite TV was always up to the minute. And now it's like more than seven seconds behind. Like I was, like I'm, I've been told throughout my history yeah yeah it's tough to let's figure that out yeah because i'm you know when i watch a game like i'm doing like the immediate takeaways post or something I've, i only have two tabs i only have three tabs open i have wordpress i have twitter and i have uh espn for stats and stuff like that i don't i don't want to be on twitter i don't need to be on twitter but i can grab replays and and tweets and drop them in and stuff like that but i gotta keep i gotta keep that tab like in the in the background you know because sometimes i'll just like refresh and it'll be like Elliot Shore Parks, what a touchdown pass by Jalen Hurts, and they're just snapping the ball, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? So I, yeah, yeah, you have to watch it. It changed how you. Did the girls get your 80 inch TV and you had to watch your little six inch cell phone this weekend? <laughs> no, their little cousins were over, so they were running around. I just heard little <laughs> feet running around upstairs the whole time I was doing that. But it was, yeah. uh, it's good. Pagan, we got through four days of of the, the holiday weekend without anybody being sick. I know. How about that? That's yeah, crazy. Shout out That's to crazy. Ford has not made any comments today about anybody's personal health mm-hmm. or well-being. You yeah, know, look so at I this. Think. Look at this cold sore. Look at the cold sore, Ford. Where's it at, dog? <laughs> Where's that, dog? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, we actually um, – we'll have Garrett Stubbs on on uh, on Wednesday. Um, and we will have – I think we have to bring on Ann San Francisco. Great guests. We've been lining up some great guests, man. Who's next? Like uh, we got Garrett Biden, Stubbs, Biden, Biden coming on at the week. Biden, yeah, Biden's coming on. Uh, we're actually hosting the, the debate. It's going to be Biden and Trump, and they're going to actually debate <laughs> next Monday. We so, should host the next Republican debate. I think yeah. we would do a great job with it because we would just be chill. We're going to have Rogan on too, so we're going to have like the three biggest people <laughs> in the world on this on this podcast. So tune in next Monday. Um, and me and me and Kev will just sit in the background. Yeah. Well, and then the week really. after that, it'll be Russ. <laughs> yeah, then we'll go back to Russ. Yeah, now back to Russ. It's like we didn't we didn't want you guys to get too high. Think this podcast was too successful. We do want to stay stay grounded and humble. So we had Russ on. We had the yeah. resident Chihuahua. <laughs> Not a huge deal, but we're gonna have Zelensky on next week. So <laughs> don't want to toot our own horn or anything, but. Oh man. Uh, hey, thanks everybody for uh for tuning in. Thanks to Coach Jay Wright for for coming on. We will uh we'll talk to you.